Hi there. Welcome back to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, your place to connect with thought leaders in the wellness community who are making waves, big and small. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. And today we're chatting with Michelle Nunez, a yoga teacher, mental health advocate, and up-and-coming actor. For her latest role, Michelle is starring in Tyler Perry's Ruthless, a fictional series that takes a hard look inside the bizarre sex-crazed Rakadushi cult, which has striking similarities to that of the Rajneesh Param, led by Indian guru Rajneesh, later known as Osho. Michelle's character was introduced this past Thursday in the series' mid-season premiere. Michelle joined us to talk about how she uses her practice to stay centered and grounded during grueling film schedules of complex, often triggering subject matter. Michelle, hi. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, super happy to be here. <laughs> How's your week going? Um, actually super fantastic. And because the week has been awesome, yes, but also my mom and my sisters are coming in from Florida to visit me here in LA for Thanksgiving. So the week has been even greater because I've been looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So they're getting in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all their first time being here, and I'm taking them up to Big Bear, so I'm stoked on that. Okay, so you are on your new character on BET's Ruthless. Yes. Hello, Zane. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I have started binging Ruthless now, thanks wow. to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm excited. So the new episodes are coming out this week. Oh my gosh, on Thursday, actually Thanksgiving. We're dropping our three episodes, first three episodes of the mid-season premiere, which are intense. Oof. And, 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 right, like what you, what you watched, of course, has way less character and a bit mm-hmm. less storyline because the reason that uh, Mr. Perry rewrote the second half of the first season is because he heard the audience and they wanted to they wanted to learn more about what's going on in the Rakadushi cult. And so he created all of these new characters, Zane included, and everything is upped by a hundred percent. It's insane. <laughs> oh my gosh, awesome. Okay, so let's back it up for any listeners who are not a hundred percent up to speed on Ruthless. Ruthless is about a cult and it's about the people who are in the cult and also some people in the FBI who are trying to infiltrate the cult. Right. Yeah. There's there's our main guy who in the Rakadushi cult they see kind of as the highest. His name is literally the highest. And <laughs> <laughs> him and Daikon, his right-hand man, sort of man this cult. And there's you know a couple hundred people in this cult and um, think like Jim Jones type type deal and they were both in jail and now have started this whole situation and um it's definitely it's based on a lot of truth behind what has happened in the past with Colts Mm -hmm. and what Tyler Perry was aiming for with this and still is is this like raw understanding and look into this world that hasn't really been played with in a theatrical sense like we've seen the documentaries and and we know of of the cult leaders but there hasn't been this such like in-depth approach to this is this is like this cult this is what happens and it's it's partially like when you're watching it half the time you're like on the edge of this on the edge of your seat and you're like oh my god what the fudge is happening and then the other half you're just like 
kind of mad. You're just like, oh, yeah. like, I'm going to punch this guy in the face right now. Yeah. So he, like, he definitely teeter totters behind uh, with your with your emotion throughout the whole thing but yeah it's about about this cult and then now this new um mid-season premiere is really looking under the hood of of the cult what's happening like zane for instance she's the youngest she's the newest um she doesn't have family so this she- so she's the youngest of the adults right because mm-hmm. the adults have children there yep yep there's children there mm-hmm. okay um so how old is zane Zane is about, and when I was speaking with our producer, Mark Swinton, about this, he said she's about 18. And um, I wrote up, like, a page about her backstory because Mm -hmm. I hopped on a Zoom call with Mark. And bless him, I had so many questions. This is a very intense show. Yeah. Very intense character. And the Mm storyline, right? Like, so how does Zane fit into this? How How is she moving the story forward? What is her contribution to this? So... I'm super grateful that he hopped on that call with me and I kind of laid it out and I was like, you know, this is what I'm thinking for her, her backstory. Perhaps she comes from a foster care system. She doesn't have family. She's turning 18. So she's about to go into the real Mm -hmm. world. Um, And then he was he Mark Swinton actually has done theater and artwork for foster kids before. Um, Yeah. And he he was like, you know, I've worked with those kids before and a lot of them when they turn 18 they end up homeless. So he was like, right. nailed it. That's exactly, that's a perfect storyline for you to to base all of your instincts and reactions off of coming from that place of, I have nowhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something that Tyler Perry rewrote the second. So there's 12 episodes so far. And then he rewrote, what was that about? Yeah, so he wrote the whole first season and they shot the whole first season last year and he it after he premiered the first half of the first season he got a lot of feedback from the audience and it's the number mm-hmm. one show on BET plus um Medea the new Medea film that came out um kind of knocked us to number two for a while but mm-hmm. we're either back at number one or we're about to be with our with our premiere so um he was listening to the audience, especially like through Twitter and just social media, which is such an active participant in a lot of shows being created now. There's a, that's where you get a lot of the connection with, with the fans and the audience and know what they want to see. And what the feedback he was getting was that they were seeing a lot of like the FBI wanted to infiltrate. They, were, they weren't seeing enough of the cult action, like um, enough of the juice, the details, the meat, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, the storyline is about the Rakadushis, but they weren't necessarily getting all of that. So then Mr. Perry went back and was like, okay, let's let's shift things back to the cult and lift the hood up and show you everything that's going on in here. So you better understand why is the FBI after the Rakadushis? Yeah. Why are these people um, coming in and working undercover? And which... I can't say because it would give away like one of the main storylines, but undercover things and friend or foe is like such a big aspect of it because it's like, wow, wait, is he loyal or is he not? Is yeah. she with us or are you not? It's it's a lot of it's a lot of that because you have to you just have to fend for yourself, you know. So yeah, he um, he didn't rewrite everything because there's still scenes from his original writing, but he took things out and added so much and clearly with all the new characters we each have kind of our own storylines as well which is super right. awesome mm-hmm. i'm a little scared <laughs> i 
I know. I know. Girl, I was when I when I was prepping for this role and I watched the entire first season, I was just like, I had night actual nightmares. Actual nightmares. I sleep by myself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I, I'm, I was too. having <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was having dreams of the Rockadushi cult, like, kidnapping me and stuff. I was just like, this, I can't watch this show at night. I literally can't. But, yeah, but in a heavy. way, like, I, I like that, right? I love scary movies. Like, I, yeah, you know, I just, when I'm on the plane, I always, I'm just like, okay, what is the film that's going to, like, try, try and scare me the most right now? <laughs> <laughs> but this, this, like, uh, Ruthless is so, like, close to not close to home oh gosh you know i've never been in a cult but um just like real like i think the last scary film i watched on a plane was the new it which it Mm. right i got scared as much as i could on a plane and knowing that that those things don't really exist whereas cults exist like there was a guy i forget his name i was just reading it like two or three weeks ago who he got sentenced to 120 years in in prison and he's like this major cult leader and like his followers are coming out and they're like not willing to like say he did anything to them or whatever i'm like that is insane yeah so is there a specific cult that he sort of based this off of or is it kind of like an amalgamation i think yeah i think it's kind of all of them contributed into one but when i was on set and i was kind of asking for uh like references just to kind of wrap my head around cult things right because I've never I had never really done major research on cult thing I I had no clue who Jim Jones even was he's like this insanely wide known cult character aside from like Charles Manson of course Mm -hmm. right? right like him but um, I don't know how much uh, Mr. Perry like based it off of that, but I do know that Jim Jones was one of the names that was like, oh, do research on him. You'll kind of understand because they, I mean, that story is insane. They literally drank poison, you know? And I, I'm, I'm looking this up right now because I'm actually also not super familiar with Jim Jones. So Jim Jones. Oh, how- he's the guy from the People's Temple. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And that, that's so how, I mean, like, Drink the Kool-Aid came. Yeah. Wild. And so, yeah, so in the show, they're drugged, trigger warning, their women and men are raped, there's murder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and speaking of trigger warnings, like, these first three episodes, um, specifically with my character, there's so many to keep track of, but with mine, like, there's... There's there's still uh, like heart wrenching things, but it's not until next week's episode that I feel I am publicly kind of saying like this episode Zane goes through something that for me was even triggering, and for me I even cried, and I I had to meet with uh, one of our coordinators and kind of do a meditation to clear myself, you know. So like I'm I'm mm-hmm. being very mindful because the topics that we are. Um, going we're, we're, we're hitting on the show are insane and then even me as an actor working you know knowing this is all made up and fake you still have to get right. into that mindset and so totally once once like i won't say too much but that what what happens there was a lot of energy clearing that i had to do with 
myself and then also with my castmates. And so you're also a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And how does your yoga practice help with that? Oh, wow. Oh, girl. So first of all, I was so call times and everything were insane. So our schedules were really, really wild. But I, as much as I could, took space to to center in my yoga practice and and to meditate while we were staying in the massive quarantine bubble. You know, we couldn't do mm-hmm. much anyway. So <clears throat> had a lot of time for, for that. But it's helped me so much because, as, as you know, like the thing with sitting with yourself and being in that in that space of open awareness and allowing uh, whatever like spirit wants to, to 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 tell you or to show you allowing that space to be clear I feel like you, it just motorizes you through life way better faster clear and and with more more intention so I think with as I was especially clearing out energies from very intense scenes that that took place I think reminding me of that like heart space that that center space and saying okay I ask for this reason right it like gives me joy it's my favorite thing to do you know I'm super grateful that I have the opportunity to do it and then and then there's like this part of me that also like I've meditated and have practiced yoga for the last seven years of my life and and taught it and have been in this space too so it's like this understanding of like acting is one thing and that's my career but also I have to recognize like that can't be everything you know so even mm-hmm. even on set it's I found myself even taking moments where I would just like go for a walk and just like sit and breathe, you know, or prepping for a scene, like sit and breathe, you know. So I think I think having that understanding and having those the years of what importance meditation and the practice of yoga and breath mindfulness has brought into my life, that that's that's priceless. And I'd say, yeah, especially this show because it's so intense, but it just it carries on through everything you know Mm. yeah it Mm -hmm. carries on carries um like the aspects the aspects of, of the practice for sure the yoga show will return in a moment after these messages who do you want to hear on the yoga show dm me Lindsay tucker on instagram at lins.tucker l-i-n-d-s dot t-u-c-k-e-r to tell us what conversations you'd like to hear. And what prompted you to get your teaching certification? Because you have a 500 hour, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and it's wild because I have like, I think I have like 550 hours or some oddball number because I took like this like other course and I and I was like keeping track of it. But yeah, I, I got into it because I was at the time like writing a lot of like I was traveling to music festivals and to events wow yeah music festivals insane (laughs) writing blogs and reviews and and artist write-ups and and things like that and kind of in the midst of that I I had traveled to Belgium and and did a write-up on a music festival called Tomorrowland and I got back to the states and kind of soon after that just I was like, wow, I, I think I need something more spiritually centered and more spiritually based for me mm. right now. <clears throat> Not that I mean, I love music like I make beats literally in my closet all the time. Like I love <laughs> making music. Yeah, You're a DJ, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I 
I'm more of like a, you know, closet producer, (laughs) (laughs) a bedroom producer. (laughs) Hopefully release music, you know, soon. We all have that conversation of like, oh, should I release this? I'm an actor. I'm not a musician, but I'm like, you know what? I am. I am a musician. Yes, do it. (laughs) It's just my music is definitely like, I really love kind of underground, like bass kind of music where like, you know, it's I, I went to one underground bass show in LA before everything shut off shut down because you know I didn't li- live here too long and I was just like oh man this is I love this so much like this is so great and I knew moving here that uh the scene is so big for underground bass music but you know there's no scene right now because there's no no shows which is unfortunate but when they come back wow yeah super excited but um Send us some of your music and we can use it in the outro. Right, Aviv? Oh, wow. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff and see what you can do. Like, yeah, so I come back from Tomorrowland. You know, I'm writing all these music festival write-ups. And I'm, I am I hosted an event, an event in Orlando that raised a bunch of money for, for kids in, in South Florida. And I was, like, really in the music scene. And then something just clicked where I was like, I really think I need something heart-centered, like I said. And, um... I had only started practicing yoga six months prior to that. And everywhere that I went to try and study, they said you needed to be practicing for at least two years. And I was bummed on that. But then I, I, I was living in Orlando and I found a school in Tampa that mm. I talked to the owner. We had a very incredible conversation um, and he really got into my heart. And he um, it's Mark from Evelation Yoga. And he was like, I understand you haven't practiced for two years, but something's calling you to this. Right. And so we we talked for a while and and he wanted to make sure that like this is something that that I'm committed to and, and uh, committed to creating in my life, because um, this isn't you know, it's not a normal yoga program. Like I've had friends who've graduated from programs here in L.A. and um, they didn't even have to read the Bhagavad Gita. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> right. What is going on? I was like, that is what like kind of hoo-ha operation is this? <laughs> I know. And then uh, someone recently told me that they had a whole lecture on um, like eat your ego when people reach out to you on Facebook because you're like a hot yoga girl and discerning Mm. between the fact between them actually wanting a lesson or if they're just trying to hit on you. And I was like, so you had a lesson on how to tell men no if if they actually don't. (laughs) But you didn't read the Gita. There's something I don't know. But. And that's the world we're living in, folks. Yeah, <laughs> that is wild. I'm like, I, I've, um, I've this framed, um, it's, it's, it's pretty small, you know, um, print of Arjuna and Krishna, like right on my. It's the first thing I see when I when I wake up, just like this, like epic reminder of like my dharma and my my mission and my purpose, my freedom and all this. So I think it's so crucial that that book. You know, I just I reread it. I reread it a couple months ago. Um, after I got back from Maine, you know, it's just such a crucial piece of, of reading. Um, but yeah, so this, this training was different because he, that was a required reading. He, there was like, it was intense, right? 30 minutes, um, of meditation every single day that we did as, as a group. Um, it was, it was packed into 30 days, like just my first training. Cause I, I continued training to get my 500 hour, but just for the 250, it was, it was that we had, we took, 
two 90-minute classes every single day. We, like, from, from the first day I was teaching already, you know, and just so, like, two hours of philosophy. Like, it was mm-hmm. so insane. And a- after that experience, like, I, I was like, wow, this this is so good. And then it wasn't until later that I realized how commercialized it everything mm-hmm. has gotten in in the yoga world. And I, I couldn't even find a studio here in L.A. for, well, in Santa Monica, for a minute that didn't have like wild music playing through the entire practice we just there's a time and a place let me tell you i love getting uh, hardcore sweating but but then i was like wow i just need a studio right now that's gonna like have no music which also at evolution there's no music ever when i started teaching there no no music it's it's silence it's you and your breath and the sound of your your guide kind of guiding through the postures but you're barely even there as the guide you know you're Telling them, helping them be, you know, all these creating a safe space and holding intention for these incredible human beings. But, you know, there's not this crazy energy that's flailing around everyone. I was like, wow, this is L.A. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I found um, one studio. It was like a donation based studio. I forget the name, but it was here near like Third Street Promenade here in Santa Monica. And um, they had soft music and so that was kind of a place mm. that I started going to a little little more often before before now we're we can't go to studio so yeah so have you how have you adapted your home practice um so I've always had a pretty strong home practice um and then I would supplement when maybe two or three times a week go to the studio just to push myself because it's nice to have a teacher who is like, okay, hold your plank now for 90 seconds or, you know, whereas at home, yeah, I'm like, I need that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little push, little, you know, like a coach, you know, uh, sure. but I think accountability, that's it. That's it. <laughs> accountability is so real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, I literally have a yoga mat that basically doesn't leave my room floor it's just always there on my rug and um, usually in the morning I will either do it here or actually I moved to a new apartment shout out I love it and it's uh like seven blocks closer to the beach so now it's just it's just such a quick just jaunt over there so now I've um, finding myself like running down toward the water and then there's like grassy areas because there's not a whole lot of grass in LA. So <laughs> unless, you know, you go up to Topanga or something, you're hiking in the Malibu mountains. But, um, you know, I'm not doing that every single day. So it's nice because there's like little area, patches of grass er- everywhere. And I'll just like pop my shoes off and just huh, practice yoga right there on the grass. And it's so nice. And that has become my new like routine and, and practice since I've moved to this cute little space now. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So let's circle back to the show. Um, as I was watching the show, you know, they're like, oh, we're all about peace. We're all about love. But obviously it gets very dark and you you realize that's not true. And, and I think there's a lot of aspects of cults that either like come from yoga or are inspired by yoga. And then they're just taken and sort of bastardized like with Osho you know so what is it like for you being a student of yoga 
And having all of this deep knowledge and then also being involved in this portrayal of this cult-like situation. Mm-hmm. Well, not cult-like. It's actually a cult. Yeah. <laughs> 100% fact. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's so there's like there's this. So Melissa L. Williams plays Ruth and she's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Incredible. I love her so much. Uh, and great. yeah wow and she said this on a recent interview just like someone was saying you know what do you think the the meaning is behind this show and she said it's realizing that everything's not always what it seems and everything that's wrapped up in a nice bow might not always be as as good as as what you think and then to add to that, it's also about knowing loyalty and who's with you and who's not. So this distinction between friend or foe and there's a lot of betrayal that happens. And then here comes Zane, like trying to love everybody, you know, and <laughs> my the cast was like giving me so much crap because when we were on set, because Zane is this like zany kind of like, I want to help everybody and like and, and just kind of like... um. I think Yvonne, who plays Tally, is so funny. We were running lines, and she was like, I feel like Zane is like, you know, this, like, puppy. You know, you want to love her, and she wants to love everything. But at the same time, you're in this crazy cult where if you do one wrong thing, you're going to actually die, you know? And I don't know. And the way that the women are treated, just for the listeners who maybe haven't seen the show, it's very terrifying. The men Mm -hmm. are obviously um, have a much higher status. Women are, I mean... For Tally's character, she got beaten so many times, you know, for what appears, in my opinion, doing nothing wrong. And so you see that and you're like, okay, you don't see the men, at least so far, I haven't seen the men. Um, The men, I have seen um, other troubling things happen to them, but not beatings, whereas women are just, they're meant to be quiet. They aren't supposed to even speak to the men very much. And so um, it must be terrifying to be a woman in that space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's said, you know, even in the episodes that are going to be premiering soon, it's said so many times in the, in, in the script, like from Daikon, from the highest, that women are beneath. Mm. It's, that's a very prevalent thing. And, and even Ruth, and she's badass, right? But she has to kind of be submissive to kind of create this persona of like yes you know yes mm-hmm. you know yes you're highest no you're highest but at at the core of it, it's like you know and she'll and she'll say you know no i'm beneath you of course i wouldn't i wouldn't say that and so like there's this huge thing where um women are beneath and it shows too and this is why the highest only has relations with the males he he would never lay with as he says or or be with a woman in that in that way you know because they're so low yeah because they're just dirt you know and so it like that's wild too because when i think it's like but you you don't know this when you get into the when you go into the cult you know when zane was being recruited into the rakaduchis they are not telling her all of this they're Mm -hmm. telling her all of this floof all this floof and on top of it they're drugging the food, like you know, just yeah. like in Jim Jones, like his whole people's temple, like just drugging the food. So you're, you're not really, you know, imagine just like 
microdosing on LSD, shrooms, PCP, like all of it. All it's of like it. a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. a cocktail. Of all this. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from the yoga show. So there's an interesting storyline where the wife of a, the FBI agent goes to the cult because she has this idea. She's an ex-Marine and she's an ex-police officer and she has a um, psychiatric a degree in psychiatry or something like that. It really makes you wonder, like, how are people recruited into things like this, especially when you have someone like that who's ex-military? How do they on set? or whether it's um, in the backstory or the coaching, do they do they at all kind of prep you guys or explain to you guys the psychology between why someone would do something like that and, and why people time and time again are called into these things? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the most incredible things about working with Tyler Perry and Mark Swinton and Michelle Sneed is they give us the space to create and mold our characters of course tyler's there directing you know it's his show you know he has a vision but he basically he gives us the lines and allows us to create and even mark someone our producer said you know if there's any lines that don't really like zane wouldn't say just let me know and we can get it approved by tyler and kind of what she would say so they're very open to receiving that feedback and helping us to shape and mold our characters and it is really a big responsibility for us as the actor to do the research and to Mm -hmm. do the searching within us and outside of us to create the character because tyler wrote all this but he doesn't he's not gonna he doesn't know like why you're doing all these things that's where you as the actor come in and you fill in the blanks right that's why like Mm -hmm. i wrote out a whole page Mm -hmm. of zane's backstory all the way up to my first line of dialogue in the new season premiere, mid-season yeah. premiere. I had to, I had to come up with like, okay, what have I been, what have I been doing since this moment, and and why am I, why am I here now? So it's really up to us. And Nyreen, who plays Lynn, the character you're you're talking about, she's an incredible actor as well, and um. I I feel I actually have not talked to her about how she got into her character, but I've talked a lot with um a lot of the newer characters because we had so many scenes together, and it was a lot of research and a lot of mm-hmm. kind of like going in and saying okay, putting yourself in that space. Like right? Elise Willis, who plays Lacey, a phenomenal actor, she you know we talked about just being on set and needing to put yourself into this mindset, this really dark space so that you could access that and, and, and create this world, like be a part of this world. Cause you're, you're on the compound on Tyler's studio, but you know, there's three cameras, there's 150 mm-hmm. people, you know, and there's all these. And then, you know, across the way, there's a duck in a pond, you know, like just like <laughs> totally. So you have to like stay like really focused and really in, in tune with everything so I think like for for all of us or most of us it's been a process of like I had to do like research Jim Jones kind of get my head around like what actually happens in these cults and then also deciding okay what is my what what is the reasoning behind my characters and I know when I was watching like all those scenes that you're mentioning with Lynn 
for what what I thought is like when you have this experience, like this crazy wild partial psychedelic kind of you know MDMA, like all these things piled into one. Which I'm I'm definitely I am in favor of psychedelic research and what it can do mm-hmm. for for depression and anxiety and our veterans. A hundred and fifty thousand million trillion percent. So you know. I know like what these substances are capable of creating within you, especially if you're going through a darker time or you need some guidance or some help or you need something illuminated and you just need to open a channel. Like I'm all like I for sure I truly, truly, truly believe in in its power. So when it's used like it is in the show as a as like an access way into somebody's mind, into somebody's soul, I think that's what happened there and what what is happening too you know with with right. a lot of the characters right right because they're getting microdosed all day and mm-hmm. they feel great and um in the case with lynn they did kind of say like uh her husband said she barely can drink a glass of wine so that was probably like complete overdrive for her system mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then from there you you want to feel that good again and then and you have the highest blowing things into your face and you're just like <laughs> oh, like, I feel great. This place is great. He's telling me it's paradise. Like, whoa, all these wrapped into one. And then when you come out of that trip, out of that high, the only vision you have is, like, paradise. That's why everyone is like, yeah. oh, why do you want to leave? It's paradise. Oh, it's paradise. You know, that's where that comes from. Right, right, right. Not to mention you've depleted your brain source of, like, happiness chemicals and yeah. endorphins and Anyone who's ever had an acid trip the next day, you know that you feel like you're never going to feel happy again. (laughs) 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 And so I could only imagine what she's going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she feels kind of like she she like moved, you know, for Brian, her her husband moved to this new place. Does you know, isn't working. She's kind of really dependent on him. So like it's a whole it's a whole thing, you know, like we all have are reasons why we're in this cult. Ruth, right? Like, Ruth was, you know, working on the streets, you know? And and right. sh- so she was like, you know what? F this. I'm taking my daughter, and I'm going to go live this this life. You know, Zane, she didn't have family, no friends. She was about to get kicked out of the foster care system. What's she going to do, you know? Oh, you yeah. know what? Let's, let's join. You know, we all have our reasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just pump them full of serotonin and abuse them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then and then half of them are like, wee, yeah, awesome, uh-huh. And then the other half, like Ruth and, and all of us are like, the hell is going on out here? <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that your schedule was a little bit hectic while you were filming. And we've heard a little bit about that with Tyler Perry's schedules. Like the Oval was filmed in like 13 days for one season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's that like? And what is your schedule like? <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, it's wild. And apparently everyone knew this about filming with Tyler Perry, but I was the last <laughs> to know <laughs> until after I got cast uh, that he shoots really fast. And the the part about he how I mentioned earlier, he and the entire team gives us this space and opportunity to create our characters. Mm-hmm. And that's why Mark, our producer, was so open about getting on Zooms with us and talking through our characters with us because he knew that. He knew that we were only giving lines. And so now here's, you know, more in-depth conversation with with him and and our characters. And so when we so we're expected to know A our lines, of course, and B, be so 
so um, like in the know and in tune with what's going on with our characters that we can make instinctual decisions really quick, you know? So yes, so we're given this space to create our characters and, and, and meet with Mark and kind of talk it over. And I had a bunch of questions that even he couldn't ask. So he went directly to the source, Tyler, and got those questions answered for me. And uh, so I was able to create my character. So now we're given the lines. And so we have our job, our mm-hmm. legit one job is to know your lines and know your character to the T. So Tyler is very notorious for calling things out. He'll call lines out. And he'll have you improvise like the amount of times that I improvised at the end of a scene because he didn't yell cut and he just wanted us to keep going because it was a juicy moment, you know, Mm. so you have to be instinctual. I have to be in in Zane's mindset, know what she's going to say, kind of come up with it right off the bat, you know, so we're given that responsibility of um, freedom, right? Freedom is a responsibility. And so our schedule was insane, right? We're shooting oh, wow, maybe 150 pages a day, you know, I've got, I've got 30 scenes, like, in, in one day, yeah. and the How crazy thing is, he gives us, I mean, I'd say no more ever than, I think the most he's given me was maybe three or four, and only one incident, and it was because he needed to move a camera angle because there was three of us talking and we were on bunk beds and, and he was like, performance is great. I just need to move the camera. And that's why we got an extra time to, to do it. But honestly, the amount of times where I did a take once and he was like, boom, solid next scene, you know? And that's the thing. Like I actually, (laughs) um, a couple of us asked for a meeting after a couple really intense scenes. So we asked for a meeting with Mark, our producer, and with Tyler. And we all met in this back room, which I'm so grateful that they took the time. Like, shooting was, filming was postponed for, like, an hour that day because Tyler was like, my actors need to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And we were just really open and honest with him, kind of telling him what's going through our mind. And I actually started crying. And for many, many reasons, and you'll see as you just, as you explore Zane's character with, throughout the episodes, you'll see, like, you know, there's a lot of intensity and a lot of decompression that comes with that. Um, But also, it was, I had never been, I just moved to LA. I'm a young actor, you know, I'm, like, very grateful because I've lived in Florida before this, and I was acting in Florida, and, like, God's grace, Spirit's grace has guided me to where I am now, you know, but this is the biggest set I've ever been on, you know, and I have a huge responsibility. I'm a series regular. I'm carrying the storyline of an entire life of a human being, you know? So this this is a, a lot of pressure, you know? And yeah. pressure in a good way. <laughs> so I'm like, in that meeting, it just so happened that it came through me where I also started crying because I was like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Like, you know, you say, okay, cut, that was great. And then we move to the next thing. Like, okay, you know, maybe he'll give you a second time to do it if he wants you to say something different. Or he, you know, there's another really intense scene. And he had me do it once more. And he kind of was like, Michelle, and gave me all of these like verbs and kind of like, yo, this is what's happening. Like tap into that. And then I like ran like a lap around like the compound and then came back and like did that scene because it's such an intense scene so he gave he knew that I needed to be more amped up for that so he senses that so he's really he's really good about this and in that meeting I'm like you know I don't know if I'm doing a good job and he like looked me in the eyeballs and was like you're doing phenomenal Mm -hmm. when I look at you you are Zane you know you have to believe in yourself okay you have to believe in yourself and he's like 
if you want another take, and this is for everyone in here, ask me for another take. Will I use it? Probably not, because if I didn't ask you to do another take, that means I liked your first take and I'm going to use that. <laughs> so he was very like open and loving and, and like very fatherly in that uh, way. Yeah. But And he gets it like we are shooting fast, you know, but he does it in such a way that he wants us like because we shoot so fast. We also as series regulars, we have the opportunity to also work on different projects as well because he knows that we're not shooting six months out of the year. Yeah. You know, we're shooting so fast. And so that's another blessing with working with Tyler Perry and everyone on the Tyler Perry Studios team because they know this and they don't they don't hoard their 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 actors. They don't they don't make us just work on this single project. They're they're so open and know that we're continuously expanding our career. So that's another thing that's just so grateful. So grateful. Yeah. So Tyler mm-hmm. Perry won the People's Choice Award this year for the People's Champion. Yeah. What was that like for you now being part of the Tyler Perry family? Yeah. So I, lo- I, I looked at that. I saw his or I read through his speech, man. I'm like, this is my boss. You're like, this <laughs> is like, I'm so grateful because he's such a man of character and of God and um, just this fatherly figure to all of us because um, I, I am a new actor, you know, and he's given me this incredible blessing and opportunity to rise, just rise and share my my talent and my gift and my love for this craft. And I'm so grateful and always will continue to be. And him receiving this award was not a surprise, dude. He's a ph- philanthropist. He he gives, gives, gives. The man's middle name is like giving, you know, <laughs> he just, that that's what, that's what he does, you know, that's, that's who he is. And so being around that and, and knowing how he works and just how in tune and connected he is to humanity. I'm like, oh yeah, of course that that's your award. And being the seventh African-American billionaire behind Oprah, Michael Jordan, I'm like, what? The first first African-American to own outright his own major film studio. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? This man is making waves and it's just, it's inspiring everyone, right? Not just people of color. It's it's inspiring everyone. He slept in a car and was homeless, you right. know, before before any, any of this. So it's like humble beginnings. Even though I texted my friend a picture of my little makeshift podcast studio in my closet and I was like, I don't have a mic so I have to do this. And he was like, humble beginnings, man. I'm like, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Speaking of humble beginnings, how did you get to become Zane? Oh, man. So I definitely have an incredible, I've had many incredible acting teachers and coaches, but Sasha Knopf is who I've been working with the most lately. And we started working together during the quarantine and on different auditions and, and different work and scripts. And her and I worked on Zane for two days together before we were able to capture the Zane on tape that we felt was Zane, you know, mm. because she's it's very intense. And the scene I got was a very intense scene to 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 show them. And and so we watched the show. We binged it, you know, in two days, kind of got the tone. We worked on it one day. I went home crying that night because I was like, I'm just, I just felt like I wasn't getting it. And then came back to her the next day after having watched the rest of the season and we worked on it again for a couple more hours. And then that's what pulled it, pulled it out of me. And I'm so grateful because she just is so loving and patient, you know, and, and I, I, I have studied with many teachers, especially in Florida. And then I moved here and immediately started studying with different teachers, but there's always something 
new and something more for you to learn. And I think that's that's what I've gained through studying with with Sasha and especially having booked Zane. What I realize is that tape was one of the hardest tapes, if not the hardest tape I've ever done in my entire life because of how intense it is, because of all the emotions, because of the up and downs that are in just those two or three short pages of dialogue that, you know, make or break whether or not you you get that role. And I think because it seems so simple in the way Tyler writes, there's not a lot of direction in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you see, like, on the actual show, like, that's not all in the script. Like, you don't, you don't know how intense something is by just reading the script. So, and my coach Sasha knew this. So she, and she's obviously, she's been acting for decades. Like, she's just a phenomenal, incredible woman. And... Uh, could read between the lines in places that I couldn't, and that's what a what a great coach is for, and that's what they that's what they do. That's their their craft. So she helped me read between the lines and say, you know, we didn't know everything about Zane because it was post like it was pre me writing up a page and talking to our producer about it, right? Because I hadn't you know gotten that far yet. But at that point, I had to say, okay, this is as much as I know about the show. This is as much as I know from this, literally this script about Zane and kind of building an entire story, even if it was the wrong choices, and she, Sasha says this a lot, even if it's the wrong choice, you have to make a choice as an actor mm-hmm. in the room or on tape. You have to make a choice. And Lenny, who plays Daikon, Lenny Thomas, when we were on set, he even said that. He was like, cameras are always rolling here at Tyler Perry Studios. So always have an opinion about something. Even if you don't think you are being filmed and you're over here on the bench, you're being watched. Have an opinion about whatever's going on around you if you're in, you know, Zane state. If you're if you're chilling in the actor's room and you're, you know, on break, no. But I'm talking if you're on your on set, you always have to have an opinion. So that's that's something that I learned too, because there's like ins and outs of the script where um like if you don't have an opinion, it, it, it just, it doesn't make sense, you know, and that, and that happened with, with the audition. So yeah, big, like hardest audition ever because of the nature of the show and the character. But I'm so grateful because I'm, I'm telling you, girl, this is the most insanely intricate and just precise character that I could have ever had imagined to play, you know, or create. Well, I'm so excited for you and I cannot wait to watch it on Thursday. yay michelle thank you so much for being on the show this was great everyone please tune in um starting on thanksgiving you can watch michelle on bet's ruthless it's also available on amazon prime video and michelle where can listeners learn more about you hear more from you yeah um super stoked to for this entire interview so grateful thank you thank you everyone i'm just honored and grateful um yep on thursday november 26 let's get it our show comes out well mid-season awesome and um you can find me i'm usually you know i'm chilling on social media instagram you can find me my my username's kind of weird so if you find me hey awesome let's let's be friends i'm not gonna say here let's see if you can find it no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 funny my my friends call me uh, michelle back back at home and actually a lot of my new castmates call me that too so that that that's my instagram handle but 
Um, I, I haven't been chilling on socials too much, especially after the social dilemma. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there or email. Like I love, I love, um, just honestly having conversations. So there, and then, you know, if you do a quick Google search, Michelle Nunez, Tyler Paper, Perry, my website comes up and everything. I love to talk, especially new actors, dude, like hit me up. Let's work together. Let's, let's make art. Awesome. And is your email on your website? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michelle, Natalie Nunez at gmail.com. And then, um, yeah, and you can you can find me everywhere. I think even if you just put Michelle Nunes on Instagram, it might pop up with my weird uh, handle. Perfect. And are you teaching any yoga classes remotely right now? I actually have been thinking about it, but I'm not actively right actively right now. Um, but that's always a possibility, you know. Just like uh, releasing music is always a huge possibility. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Michelle for joining us on the podcast. Check her out on BET's Ruthless and at M-E-E-E-E-S-H-E-L-L-L-E on Instagram. Stick around after the show to hear Michelle's track. Don't forget to follow Yoga Journal on Instagram for more yoga-centric conversation and inspiration. And tune in two weeks from now for another episode of The Yoga Show. If you've enjoyed this conversation, leave a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. The Yoga Show is produced by me, Aviv Rubenstein. Follow him on social media at Rambo Calrissian theme music by Katie Canavan. More from her at Accordion to Katie on Instagram. Until next time, for The Yoga Show, I'm Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you on the mat. Accessible 5 to 30 minute meditation, pranayama, yoga nidra, and mantra practices from some of the world's leading teachers, tune into Yoga Journal's The Practice at yogajournal.com slash podcasts. If you're looking for ways to decompress while discovering fresh perspectives on yoga and wellness, tune into our sister podcast, Why Now? Hosts Monica and Cameron talk to yogis from around the country on the intersections of self-care, social justice, relationships, and more. Find it at yogajournal.com slash podcasts.